episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today. I'm Alex Mellers. And I'm Taisei Fu. And this is another episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast, our first one of July. And I would like to start by saying we were wrong about something a couple weeks ago, and most people were wrong about it. It seemed like it was basically a 100% sure thing that Vegas was going to be one of the two hub cities or intended hub cities for the NHL's intended return to play. And now, I don't know if it's 100% official yet, but looks like that's more or less off the table and that I think Toronto and Edmonton are now the front runners. Yeah, uh, that, that I believe that's the news that came out. I think Bobby McKenzie reported that. And it just goes to show really the unpredictable nature of, you know, reopening things uh, when, now that this pandemic has sort of calmed down here in Canada. Uh, I think the reason why they, they scrapped Vegas, I think Vegas was their number one target. Uh, they scrapped it because the U.S., uh, including Vegas, is having a large resurgence in the number of cases. So, you know, they're, given that surge, uh, it wasn't wise to go down to the States. And instead, you know, they said that there were going to be complications with moving everybody to Canada, you know, border problems and whatnot. It seems that they've, you know, they've at least somewhat come to terms with that. They've either, you know, negotiated something with the government or something like that because both hub cities will end up being Canada, uh, Toronto and Edmonton. That's, I think, I mean, that's, that's good for the Canadian markets, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly a really quick 180. I was, I was pretty sure that we're, we're end up going to Vegas and even Vancouver, I think was the second uh, city that was mentioned before they dropped out. Uh, so yeah, it just seems that, you know, uh, kind of keeping on keeping everybody on their toes because it just seems like Toronto, Edmonton, those two cities, that combination kind of came out of left field. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they, they were always they were always kind of in the mix, but Edmonton, I don't because they had that whole like the video pitch. It's like come and see the mountains that are four hours away from the cities here in beautiful, lovely Edmonton, which is kind of a little bit funny. I found a lot of people did, but obviously, like deciding where the hub cities are going to be is very important for the NHL to make that decision. But I feel like it's it's being not not necessarily marketed, but like reported on as if it's like a big deal deal to the fans. As a fan personally, I don't really care where the games are being played. Like it's an empty arena. No one necessarily has home ice advantage or anything. So I mean, this necessary. I don't know if it's. Am I like underreacting to it? Like I, I'm not really getting worked up about it one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think the media hype on this subject has been you know overblown because I mean, what big difference does it make? For the actual gameplay, not much. I think it's just, you know, figuring out the hub city is just another step to coming back to play. And I guess that's important in that kind of way. But otherwise, for the actual gameplay, like, there is no home home ice advantage. So, I mean, now that we figured it out, that's what I'm happy about. It doesn't really matter to me that it's Toronto Edmonton. It could have been anywhere for all I care. But just the fact that they have figured it out, uh, for now at least, I mean, I think that's a good sign. Yeah, uh, speaking of like not a good sign, I wasn't. I don't just kind of remember this now because it flew under the radar a little bit with all the, all the COVID positive cases that came out a couple weeks ago across the NHL. Apparently, uh, a significant number, or not sure how significant, but some St. Louis Blues players tested positive recently, and th- they, 
I'm pretty sure just shut down their facilities yesterday. So that's another another couple steps back for the NHL and this plan to return. And of course, another another somewhat I guess you could say a chorus of people calling to to just cancel the season, just call it off. And I mean, there's a de- very definitely a very good argument to be made that that's that's probably the smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just seems like we're it's a regular part of the news cycle now that a team in any any one of the major sports that are kind of trying to reopen here, uh, they catch a bunch of COVID and then they close down. Uh, it sucks, obviously. You're concerned for the players uh, and their families, but you know, I I mean, yeah, I think it's it's definitely when you see this kind of thing in the news, you see Tampa Bay, you see St. Louis, you see other sports, and you know, it's not just one player but a cluster of them. Yeah, the smart thing is probably not to play in this pandemic. You can hold it off. Just play next season if that's smart. Uh, but I, I don't know. But look, I, I think uh, what we've seen from all the leagues that they're all very determined to start up. So And we don't know what it's going to be like in the bubble. None of, none of the leagues have actually entered the bubble. So I think, I mean, at this point, given that we've gone so far in terms of planning... I think the bubble deserves one chance. And once, if the bubble is breached, then I don't see any reason to continue. But I say give the bubble a chance at this point because they just seem so invested in, in actually restarting play that I don't see them, you know, canceling outright without giving the bubble a try. Mm-hmm. Also, also, you you were actually just telling me right before we started that the NHL and the NHLPA are very, very close to signing a new CBA that'll kick in right away and be, I think like you said, five or six years. And speaking of like over-reporting on the hub cities, I, this was, I might've seen like a couple small things about like, oh, they're working on a new CBA. Oh, this small detail, this small detail. But like, uh, I haven't really heard very much about this as like a big deal. And I mean, it probably is a very big deal. Well, this is honestly, given the timing that we're recording right now, it's Saturday morning. Uh, this is like late breaking news. It was reported only like an hour ago or such. Uh, so, hey, look, we got we finally got the timing right. Uh, so, yeah, huge breaking news uh, on the CBA front because, you know, we know the NHL and it's past, you know, long history with Gary Bettman and lockouts and canceled seasons, shortened seasons. While it looks like uh, they figured it out. Uh, this time around before we need to go into a long labor dispute because the NHL is closing in on a six-year CBA and this deal is apparently imminent according to Frank Saravelli uh, of TSN. So, you know, there's a this is a short-term and a long-term CBA. Uh, short-term as in it deals with a lot of the points related to the pandemic, but long-term as in, you know, it, it states out many of the points relating to the CBA and the, uh, to the salary cap. There have been a lot of questions, you know, will it go down? Uh, and what about escrow? Well, this new CBA seems to address a lot of those questions. So let me just run through uh, many of the, you know, just the main points. So first of all, the CBA, it still needs to be ratified by both bodies, both, you know, the governing board and the NHLPA. Uh, But, you know, I I expect it to pass given that it doesn't seem to be totally unfair. It doesn't look like, you know, anybody's ripping anybody off. So the details for reopening... Uh, so they're going to open training camps July 13th, and then the teams will travel to the hubs, you know, Toronto or Edmonton at this point, on the 26th of July. That's only in, what, four weeks about? Uh, so qualifying games mm-hmm. start in less than a month, August the 1st, and then the Stanley Cup is awarded in early October. Uh, the much-hyped 
Alexi Lafreniere Phase 2 lottery will happen on August 10th, so a little over a month from today. And then the draft will happen after the Stanley Cup is awarded in mid-October. A couple weeks after that, we have free agency on November the 1st. So not quite the Halloween date that we talked about last week, but pretty close. Uh, and then, so we've seen in the other leagues, you know, players that wish to opt out. They don't have any penalties. The NHL will follow that model. So any player that wishes to opt out of the league's return to play plan can do so without facing any sort of discipline. Uh, whether they will do so is a whole other discussion, right? Uh, and so the salary cap, big question. So it's going to be frozen at $81.5 million until hockey-related revenue hits $4.8 billion. The reason it is $4.8 billion is what, it's what they projected making this year before everything shut down. Uh, another thing. So the Olympics have been, you know, over the course of many years, you know, are we going to go to China? Are we going to go to, I don't know, they, they didn't end up going to South Korea for those Olympics. Well, the South Korea Olympics, they were interrupted because, you know, NHLPA, NHL, the league couldn't agree on, you know, on a plan. While it looks like they have figured it out for the next two Olympics in 2022 in China, 2026 uh, in Italy, uh, pending an agreement with the IOC. It looks like they will participate in those Olympics. So great news for uh, that best-on-best best competition that we've been starving for. Uh, escrow is going to be 20% next season, and then it's going to dip all the way down to 6% uh, by the end of the CBA in 2025. Uh, and, yeah, one new twist. It seems a bit small, but uh, those no-trade and no-move clauses, uh, they will travel with players if you're traded. Uh, even if the clause hasn't kicked in yet, uh, that last little bit, we've seen that, you know, if you are traded before it's kicked in, the clause is is canceled, but it looks like it will travel from now on. Uh, so, yeah, that those are the main points. Uh, anything you want to you wanna start off on? Uh, there's a lot to digest there, uh, which I guess makes sense, considering it's a collective bargaining agreement. Not, not Nothing really is very surprising. I mean, uh, the, the Olympics, the fact that that was included and sounds like pretty much confirmed, that's something to get excited about. Uh, because I mean, obviously, best on best is uh, has been fun when it's happened in the past. But like now, I feel like was like 2018 was the absolute worst time for the NHL to pull out of the Olympics because that would have been uh, McDavid and Crosby's first time playing together internationally, and that was also right when like like the USA is really kind of entering like a, a golden era in terms of like what their best on best team could look like. You know, Matthews, Eichel, Johnny Gaudreau. Dylan Larkin, Seth Jones, and so on and so on. So the 2022 Olympics, if the NHL does end up follow through and going, then that's definitely something to to look forward to. In terms of everything else, uh, just a kind of a small detail. I don't know, not necessarily a complaint, just something I thought I would point out. August 10th, which is apparently the the most likely date now for phase two of the lottery, uh, is a Monday, which I don't know. It seems kind of kind of strange that they would put such such a marquee event on a Monday instead of a, a Friday or Saturday night. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll probably be doing nothing, so it won't be such a difference to me. But just a little bit of a weird decision. And uh, yeah, all the other dates like free agency date, November first, uh, August first, and all that stuff. Not not such a surprise. That's kind of what everyone was thinking about, what everyone was expecting. And with everything else flat cap, that was kind of I'm pretty sure that was uh, recorded by uh, reported by uh, Friedman and a bunch of other people. Like pretty much like several months ago, right when this all started, that the NHL won't make the cap go down, and at worst, it's going to stay flat. And that's pretty much what happened. So, I mean, it's pretty good that they're able to get to this agreement uh, relatively quickly. So so that's a, an optimistic way of looking at it, I guess. And also, the, yeah, the last thing I wanted to mention, with like the, the no, no trade or no movement clauses, 
transferring when a player is traded before it kicks in. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of that too. That never really made any sense. Um, the first time I remember hearing of that was actually the Subban Weber trade, because PK Subban was traded to Nashville two days before he would have had I think like a, a no trade or a no move clause kick in with Montreal. But when he was traded to Nashville just two days before it happened, that it was Nashville's choice if they wanted to honor it or not, and they didn't. So that actually resulted in they could trade him to New Jersey several years later without having to, you know, get him to sign off on it or, or whatever. So that never really made any sense to me. And uh, I, it might, might be like a small victory, but I'm glad that they, they resolved that. Yeah. I mean, all around, I think it seems to be pretty fair. Uh, a lot, Nobody seems, as I said earlier, nobody seems to really be, you know, getting shafted here. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic news. I mean, as a hockey fan... I don't want to go through another fucking shortened season, another lockout. Uh, and now that I know that I won't have to for the next year, hopefully if, you know, it gets ratified by both groups. Well, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, we've seen problems with Gary Bevin and lockouts. Uh, apparently he's figured it out. And, and this early, too. I mean, I think they had like one or two years left on the old CBA that they extended. While it looks like they're getting ahead of the curve uh, for once. And it's great. I mean, look... I am very excited for the Olympics, as we saw in 2018, when you don't have those NHL players. I mean, the Olympic product really isn't that great. And then also, it's not, and you don't get that best on best. I mean, we had the World Cup, what, four years ago, uh, but it's been a while. And so, yeah, this Olympic news, if they end up negotiating something with the IOC, it's just, it's great for the sport. We talked about the missed opportunity in South Korea, not just for the caliber of players that was possible, but also, you know, South Korea a potential new market where you have very little hockey influence right now. And, you know, that they kind of blew that opportunity. Uh, this time around in 2022, we have China, uh, an even bigger market, a much more important market for the NHL and just the sport of hockey in general. So, I mean, it's fantastic news on that front. Uh, and, yeah, we'll finally get to see uh, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel and all those other young players uh, make it to the NHL. I mean, Beijing was actually like it was up until now. It was very much in the up in the air whether they were actually going to end up going. Uh, and you know, I'm glad to see that they finally figured it out. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly I have no memory of the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics. Like absolutely nothing. And I don't think it's just because NHL players weren't there. Even though like hockey, like in Sochi in previous times, was like the main attraction for me. Uh, I just I don't remember anything from Pyeongchang. I mean, I was probably you know busier during that one like i was in high school whereas previous ones i was in elementary school for all of them uh, also not to mention the fact that pretty much everything happened overnight and then you wake up and you, you missed everything because of uh, obviously the massive time zone difference so that certainly didn't help but i just i remember like in canada i there was like barely any any hype for anything at least not that not that i recall like i don't know curling was probably the one I was most excited to watch. And I know many people aren't fans of curling and I'm, I'm not exactly a diehard myself, but I'm interested in it. So yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. I say that to say that uh, NHL players return to the Olympics is, is going to do a lot, at least in uh, North America for, for gaining traction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about 2018, why wasn't there any hype for the hockey? Well, because you know, fuck, there was nobody there, right? Uh, I think who was it? Ben Scrivens was the Canada's goalie. I mean, Absolutely, I think so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it just it wasn't the same. Not nearly, not nearly the same. I mean, I think the hype would have been there even despite the time zone difference 
if you had, you know, superstars, uh, you know, Crosby and McDavid, as you said, playing on the same team. That's absolutely exciting uh, and memorable. But, you know, that didn't happen. And we ended up, you know, having to follow fucking Ben Scrivens. So, look, I'm a big hype for 2022, 2026. We got two Olympics. It seems like they're booked. They can figure it out with the IOC. Uh, and, you know, the players, their number one concern coming into it, we heard so many complaints about it. It was escrow. Uh, they figured it out, I think. 20% is high, but they managed to get it down all the way down to like 6% for 2025. So, hey, it looks like a win for everybody here, uh, players, the league, and the fans included. I don't know if you remember this, but in the, the 2018 Olympics, Canada was in the bronze medal game, and they won one nothing. I don't remember against who, but the guy who scored the winning goal was uh, actually an alumnus from our high school, Max Noro. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had... Uh... We had a Max Noro party at school because, you know, yeah, well, there you go. Not really. Just a couple of people kind not of really. mentioned him. but Exactly. <laughs> that, that's good enough. I mean, that's the biggest Max Noro hype we'll ever see in our life. You know, actually, uh, we actually we have a couple alumnus from our high school. The one that, like, people, you, you know, uh, you know, the cartoon Arthur, the kids cartoon, right? Yeah. Uh, whoever uh, did the voice acting for DW, uh, which is like Arthur's little sister, if, if you'll recall, actually was also an alumnus from Royal West. And I just, I learned that recently and so every so often I remember it and I, and I feel a sense of pride in my high school. What? Are you kidding me? DW was voiced by an RWA alumnus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up right now to see their name because I don't even remember if it was a man or a woman. Uh, DW Arthur, voice actor. Uh, where? Oh, man. This is very. Why is it so hard to find this? Oh, uh, um, uh, whatever. I'll I'll find it later and I'll I'll mention it again when I find it. Okay. Well, solid shout out to whoever's voicing DW. Um, oh, here it okay. is. Here it is. Uh, Shoshana Bush. Voice. It says voiced most times by Shoshana Bush. Okay. And she went to Royal West. I mean, I guess, but maybe I'll maybe it'll be easier if I find like Royal West alumnus page or or like notable alumni. And then I'll whatever we'll we'll move on from this. Maybe I'll come back to it later. Uh, yeah. Next thing on the docket is a pretty important piece of news that we actually forgot to mention last week. Um, the Hockey Hall of Fame class for 2020 was revealed uh, over a week ago, I guess at this point. And not not surprising, Jerome McGinley's in. I wasn't very surprised Marion Hosa came in, even though some people thought maybe he shouldn't have been on the first ballot. Kevin Lowe, in like his 20th year of eligibility, came in. And Doug Wilson also had been eligible for like a similar amount of time. And they're both in the hall, I guess. Uh, questionable choices, perhaps a lot of people seem to think, even though, of course, I haven't, I didn't watch either one of them in, during their careers. And Kim St. Pierre, uh, a Canadian, Canadian goalie was uh, the, the one out of possible to, uh, to on the, the women's side, which I mean, some people were kind of like not upset that Kim St. Pierre got in, but that like every year there's like a maximum of two women's players that can get in. And most of the time there's only one. And uh, I mean, I think uh, who was the other one? Jennifer Botterill was the one a lot of people were saying like she deserved to get in also. And the last one, the sixth name was uh, GM Ken Holland, current GM of the Edmonton Oilers, has won Stanley Cups with the Red Wings. Uh, I get, I guess not very surprising, but because like, like builders, they don't have to, like you don't have to wait until they're retired to put them in. It's kind of just like, totally a shot in the dark any given year who's going to get in uh and the, the one name a lot of people were kind of like 
uh, not an upset, but like whatever, thought deserved to get in was Alex McGillney. And once again, I didn't watch Alex McGillney during his career, but I mean, just looking at the numbers and like one calendar year where he scored like, where he was scored like over a goal per game or almost a goal per game, it's like, yeah, that guy probably deserved to get into the hall. Yeah. And plus, you know, you hear about the story of Alex McGillney. I think he's like one of the first uh, defectors from the Soviet Union back then. I mean, you add all that together, I think absolutely a uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, the builder category, I still, I, I think it's hilarious. Every time we see an active, you know, general manager make it to the Hall of Fame, whether it's Ken Holland or fucking Gary Bettman, I think it was last year or a couple <laughs> of years ago, coming in as a builder, I think it's absurd. I think it's funny. Um, I mean, look, usually Hall of Fame, uh, any sort of Hall of Fame, you need to be retired uh, to actually get inducted. But apparently hockey makes that induction for uh, the builders category and now Ken Holland is part of the Hall of Fame so I mean I guess congratulations to him uh, on the women's game front I, I really don't understand the limit uh, that they they see they seem to have imposed whether it's one usually or, or even two because I mean you don't impose a limit on the men and plus you know it, I it's only been relatively recently that they started admitting uh, or just like inducting women to the Hall of Fame so like you know you've got some catch-up to do why are you putting a limit on that um, actually so, there is know, a there is a four-person limit. The, uh, the men's men's do have a limit. You, it's four for men and okay. two for women. So, but it's just that like they always meet the men's limit and like usually only do one out of two for women. Yeah. So even that, um, still a bit of a head scratcher. And yeah, I mean Jerome McGinley was always going to come in first ballot, uh, no doubt on there. Marion Hossa, I thought he had a Hall of Fame career, first ballot. Yeah, sure, why not? And uh, Doug Wilson, Kevin Law, I don't have much to say about them. I mean, I didn't watch them play. And, uh, yeah, all I know about Doug Wilson is that he is the general manager of the Sharks. I didn't know he played in the NHL. Now I do. And it probably was good enough for the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, congrats to him, I guess. Yeah, like, like previously, or, like, in most past years, I'd never really, like, been too interested in Hockey Hall of Fame and didn't really understand, like, everyone else arguing about it. But now with, like, guys like Aginla and Hosa coming in, who I actually, like, I watched a, a decent chunk of their careers, I, I feel like we're going to start entering this zone where, like, these players like next year, it's like I think uh, like the Sedins, Henrik Zetterberg are eligible next year. So like we're starting to get into these players that we actually know. So we'll probably start to be more invested in who gets into the Hall of Fame and who isn't in the coming years. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, right now, what do you think? You, you prefer a smaller hall like baseball or, you know, you like a fat hall, like a nice, big, many people there, you know, what, what do you prefer? Uh, You know, I, I'm probably, I don't know. I don't really know. And uh, because I've, I've gone back and forth on this, a lot of people who are like, oh, small hall, keep the hall small. Like, eh, I don't think I'm leaning that way. Like, it seems kind of like a little bit of a, like a haughty attitude to take. Like, oh yeah, this player only, only scored 401 goals and was never not nominated for an award. So they shouldn't get in. Like, no, if I just, I, I feel like, so I guess I do probably lean more towards like, if they're on the edge, maybe they deserve to get in. Because and I feel like like one of the most important most important qualities to look for in a nominee for the Hall of Fame that people don't really consider is like how famous were they like how much of a not not necessarily social impact but like are they a household name and if so then maybe they they deserve to get in because I mean fame is kind of the the key word in there. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I, I mean I find myself in the same position. You know, I lean both ways a bit, but I think I lean definitely in the big hall uh, side of things. Because look, I, I get the I get I definitely get the appeal of the small hall. You look at baseball, a notoriously small hall, and you know, every time somebody does make it, I mean it's a massive celebration. But 
And the, but I look at the big hall and why don't we celebrate all these people who had fantastic careers? Uh, and I don't see why we feel the need to limit ourselves to what, like one, maybe even zero people every year, like they do in the MLB. Uh, you know, I enjoy this a little bit every year. You see these names pop up. I learn about Doug Wilson a bit. And uh, yeah, I think uh, everybody's happy this way. Yeah. Uh, all right. One thing I just want to correct before we move on. Uh, Robert Naylor uh, voiced DW on Arthur from 2007 to 2012 when he was uh, 11 to 16 years old. And he so he actually, I guess that would imply that he voiced DW while he was going to Royal West. So a little interesting tidbit for any of you out there. Shout out to Robert Naylor. Robert Let's Naylor. This go. episode is dedicated to you. <laughs> all right. Uh, so what do we have next? So I think we're getting into, uh, the prospect segment of this episode. So we've got a, we've got a couple, uh, got a couple of Ottawa 67s on the line in the, in the car today. Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, actually we went two weeks without doing a prospect profile and now we're back, uh, two, probably I would say the highest caliber prospects that we have profiled so far, Marco Rossi. And Jack Quinn, teammates on the Ottawa 67s. Marco Rossi's a center, ranked number seven on Bob's list. Uh, we talked a little bit briefly last week about how we would both probably have him a little bit higher than that. And Jack Quinn is a right winger, uh, also on the 67s, who was ranked number 10 on that list. And I guess uh, I'll, I'll get started first. I guess Marco Rossi, I think, was like the leader. I think he might have led the entire CHL in points, which is an extremely impressive accomplishment. That is the, the same league that Alexi Lafreniere plays in, by the way. And they had very comparable numbers. Marco Rossi ended up with 120 points in 56 games, which was on pace for like a 140-point season, which is absolutely nuts. He is he was born in Austria. Uh, so one of the one of the few, few NHL, pl- uh, very few NHL players have been from Austria. I think like Thomas Vanek was Austrian, still is Austrian, just not in the NHL anymore. And right now, I think like Michael Raffel, and Michael Gravner are the only two I can think of from Austria. So a uh, very small company there. But Marco Rossi, I would say, is well in line to become maybe the best Austrian NHLer of all time. Uh, the reason I think that he is lower on list is, as like we mentioned very briefly last week, size bias. He is only five foot nine, and you know scouts are are skeptical if that if he'll be able to translate his play to the NHL. Or maybe some scouts, not all scouts, but be at, with that small size, five foot nine, hundred seventy nine pounds. But from basically every scouting report I've seen, uh, there that's pretty much like the only reservation that people have. Like there, he's not necessarily like a, a flashy highlight reel player, even though he might have the skill to be that kind of player. But basically, he he does exactly what he needs to succeed. He's extremely responsible defensively and effective defensively. And in the offensive zone, I mean, the numbers do speak for themselves. Like, you, you don't want to just look at the numbers. But, I mean, when they're as outstanding as Marco Rossi's are, they kind of do. And when you can do, when you generate all that numbers without necessarily getting on the highlight reel every night, that speaks to, you know, your, your smarts and your hockey sense and your ability to just, just get things done, even if you're not necessarily always flashy about it. Yeah. I mean, Marco Rossi, uh, just an elite prospect and and he's so dominant in so many facets of the game. I mean, yeah, you said it. There's really no glaring holes in his game whatsoever. And so, yeah, the scouts like to pick on his size, and that sends him down some boards. But I completely disagree. Uh, so, I mean, everywhere, everywhere we look, he plays both sides of the ice. You know, he's a great two-way center. He's a center. I mean, that's the one thing, right? There's a premium on centers now in this league. Uh, he's super smart uh, with, with the puck, without the puck. 
Uh, I mean, we're talking about work ethic, compete. Those are kind of obscure terms, but he has them both. And he can shoot. He can pass. He goes to, you know, the dangerous areas. He knows how to make those high danger chances. Uh, I mean, and he's got the shot. I mean, what more is there to say? I mean, this is an absolutely fantastic player. Uh, and I mean, no, I mean, it's no surprise that he led the CHL given all the tools that he has. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just the fact that he was down in some of, you know, in, in according to a couple scouts on Bob's list, I thought it was preposterous because, you know, I, I, other than size and we see that size maybe doesn't, well, not maybe it doesn't have nearly the impact as some scouts think, uh, when transitioning from the juniors to the NHL. I think Marco Rossi is going to do just fine uh, when wherever he gets drafted, and I mean I think it'll be I think it'll be absolutely fantastic first line uh, center on an NHL team within the next two years. Wow! All right. Well, first line center within the next two years. Uh, that that's quite quite high praise. Uh, not that I necessarily disagree with it. Um, Jack Quinn. On the other hand, he's really like goal scoring is his calling card. Not that he's not that he's a one-dimensional player. Like like by all accounts, he is like a pretty pretty good defensively, except for like what you would think of as like oh a goal scoring winger is whatever. Probably not that good in their own end. By all accounts, that's not true for Jack Quinn. Uh, he's ranked number ten on Bob's list. But the the couple like, uh, reservations that I've seen about him are that like are like an uncertainty about like whether his style of goal scoring is going to translate, and also like. The fact that he hadn't really done something this exceptional until this year. Like last year, um, he had only 12 goals and 20 assists in 61 games. This year, he jumped all the way up to 52. And obviously, like at that age, like everyone takes different uh, developmental curves, and maybe maybe his is just a little bit steeper, and like that that happens pretty often. But maybe some people, whereas like Alex DeBrinket had scored a ton of goals like several years in a row. Same thing with Cole Coffey. Like that had always been his calling card, his pedigree. That might be one of the reasons why uh, people are maybe maybe a little bit uh, a little bit shy to jump on Jack Quinn so early in the draft. Yeah, there's one concern I have on him, and that's it, right? Because he's, I mean, he's just absolutely skyrocketed up draft boards this season. And apparently, I mean, it's because he's worked a ton on his skating and it's improved massively compared to last year. Uh, and so he was a poor skater last season. And this year he's worked his way up to, you know, above average. And I think that's, I mean, that's great for him. I think that's a great indication on, you know, his work ethic, his ability to improve, his ability to diagnose, I mean, what needs work on his play and then to actually work on it to follow through. Uh, so, yeah, he's got the goal scoring. He needs maybe a bit of work. Uh, on the playmaking side of things, but you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with a guy who scores too many goals. Uh, and yeah, he maybe he's a bit of a late bloomer. He's one of the oldest prospects. I think he's like three, four, five days away from the cutoff date. So he's one of the oldest ones. So you know, a, a bit of a late bloomer, I guess, uh, when you take into account, you know, how much he's improved this season. But I mean, other than that, I mean, look, uh, he's got the offensive ability. I mean, I think. I think he's a solid, you know, high first round pick, uh, you know, top half of the first round, I'd say. Yeah, if you want to if you want to take a goal scorer like like Jack Quinn or something in the top 10, top 15, like I would probably just want to make sure that they're, they're not the type of goal scorer who relies too heavily on their line mates or too heavily on a playmaker to pl- they play with. Jack Quinn doesn't play with Marco Rossi. I think I just mentioned that, but whatever. I mentioned again. And basically, so yeah, Jack Quinn, he creates a lot of his goals, or at least plays plays a big role in them, which I think is very important in terms of like being able to get into the the right areas for scoring goals primarily. Yeah. 
solid prospect. Uh, not better than solid, but I think is a great prospect. And uh, yeah, what you said about what you said about Jack Quinn being like old for this draft class is true for for Marco Rossi too. The cutoff date is September fifteenth, and Jack Quinn is uh, September nineteenth, and Marco Rossi is September twenty third. So they're both like a week or two away from having been eligible for last year's draft. Like if if that had happened, like Marco Rossi. Uh, last year, he was over a point a game in the OHL. He got 65 points in 53 games. And considering the fact that he would have been like extremely young for that draft, I think he probably would have been like uh, maybe a, like a late first-round pick, uh, which uh, looking back in hindsight would have been uh, kind of a steal. Kind of a similar thing that happened to Nick Robertson, actually, because he was extremely young for last year's draft. He was, I think, like four days away from the cutoff. And obviously, if he were born a couple days later and he were eligible this year, I think he probably would be a top 10 pick, Nick Robertson. And he went 53rd last year. Uh, Jack Quinn, on the other hand, like with the numbers I just mentioned, like 12 goals, 32 points last year, like I don't even know if he would have if it would have been a guarantee that he would have even been drafted last year. Like maybe like a mid late round pick uh, would have been where he went. Uh, if he were born like four or five days earlier, I don't really know. If he wasn't drafted and he was like an overager for this year, then then he would definitely be going 50 goals in the OHL. is extremely elite company. I think like it's only happened in the past 20 years. Like, well, Arthur Kaliev did it. And like the other ones are like Dabrinkit, uh, Stamkos, Jeff Skinner, like very good NHLers on that list. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's the question, right? Is he just, right? We see a lot of, you know, older players, right? Because there is such a, big gap when it comes to junior hockey in terms of age right i think it's like you can see some 16 year olds and then the gap in terms of development is absolutely massive and so when you see an older player jack quinn in particular because he did improve so much between the seasons the question you have is right did this guy uh is the reason he got so good was it because he improved his skating ability like i mentioned or was it because it's just that you know it was easier for him because relative to the season before the competition was just that much easier because what he's one he's now like one of the oldest players in the league uh so that's the concern with jack quinn right and i mean if that's the main concern i mean i think that's a good thing because you know now you're just kind of dealing in hypotheticals obviously a lot of the draft the draft process is hypothetical but this one in particular right uh it's just you know it's you're, you're talking about age and development and all that and if that's your primary concern, I think it's it's honestly kind of a good thing. It's kind of like, you know, defensive liability. Uh, it's, it's kind of in the similar vein where, you know, it's 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 kind of, well, first of all, it's, it's all very subjective. And it's, I mean, if that's your number one concern, it's not such a bad thing because it's not so concrete. Yeah. Uh, right now on my ranking, just thought I'd, I'd mention this. Uh, I have Marco Rossi number four. That's where I've got him. And I've got Jack Quinn at number 12. Uh, I don't know if you have any ranking put together at this point, but we are uh, going to do uh, an activity concerning the draft soon. Uh, we're, we're going to do uh, our first mock draft uh, in which we will alternate and make selections for either even or odd-numbered teams. Yeah. Uh, so I've got Rossi at number five. And I've got Jack Quinn actually a couple spots higher uh, at number 10. Um, so shall we move on to our activity? Yes, yes, let's, let's do it. Let's do that, the mock draft. So we decided before the show that we were going to give Arizona the placeholder spot, uh, the first pick, uh, maybe just for jokes or just because, I don't know. That was the, we do, I didn't want to give it to Montreal personally because uh, not only because this is a Habs pos- uh, 
podcast kind of and that would be kind of the least you know interesting option in terms of the activity itself and also i don't want it to contribute to getting my hopes up or anyone else's hopes up so we gave it to arizona do you want to do the the odd picks or the even picks i'll let you decide i will take the i'll take the even picks all right you'll take the even picks uh so that means i'm, I'm actually gonna have one more pick than you for for fun Unless you want to do like yeah. pick 32, like Detroit, first pick of the second round and even things out. Anyway, uh, so I guess we'll get going on this. Uh, Arizona Coyotes, first overall pick. Alexi Lafreniere, very, very easy. All right. Uh, the LA Kings, you know, we've got that Byfield as Dutes will talk. I don't think that's deserved at all. I think Byfield uh, absolutely should be the number one, uh, number two pick for LA. Uh, I would probably agree with you if I were making that pick. Uh, and I mean, after the third pick that I'm about to make is probably when we're going to maybe start doing some explaining in terms of our, our, our selections and our motives behind them. But I'm pretty sure it's pretty easy right now. Tim Stutzel, I don't think it would be a super easy choice if I were the one making the pick for Ottawa. Like I'd probably consider Marco Rossi there too. But the fact that Tim Stutzel is such a, you know, seems to be a consensus as in the top three among NHL scouts. And also that Pierre Dorian, in his, uh, he did an interview after the draft lottery. He said to on the 31 Thoughts podcast that the way he looked at it, he didn't name players, but he said there was a tier of three at the top and then like a tier of like four to 12 and then, and so on like that. So it would seem, I would probably guess that Tim Stutzel is going to be the guy for Ottawa there. All right, all right. So number four, I've got Detroit. And, you know, I went back and forth. Uh, I either had Rossi or Jamie Drysdale. I ended up going with the defenseman because, you know, Detroit, they picked Mo Sider last year. Uh, and, you know, Jamie Drysdale seems to be a rock-solid defenseman. Uh, his projection is like a top pair defenseman. And, I mean, absolute premium on that in the NHL. Uh, I mean, he's by far the best defenseman, if you ask me, in this draft class. So I, I have Detroit taking Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, that's uh, I would definitely consider Jamie Drysdale heavily at number four. For for what it's worth, uh, Sam Costantino seems to uh, seems to think that Detroit is leaning toward or is thinking about like Cole Perfetti or for whatever reason he th- seems to think that's a good pick or that's a likely pick. Uh, I wouldn't do it. I would probably have at least three players that I'd consider ahead of uh, Cole Perfetti at number four for Detroit. But uh, if anyone's interested, that's what Sam Costantino thinks. Uh, me though. Picking for Ottawa again at number five, I'm going to take Marco Rossi. Uh, having Stutzel and Rossi uh, probably lined up to be your one and two center, maybe a couple of years down the road, uh, instead of right now you have like Colin White as your first line center and like not much in the pipeline. Like you got Christine, Chris Tierney there, I guess, on the team now and Josh Norris, Logan Brown. So not much to write home. Uh, right home about down the middle for Ottawa right now. So if you can have Stutzel and Rossi in one draft, um, that is that is pretty spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I want to be honest, when, when it comes to mock drafting, and I think this would be my drafting philosophy if I was, uh, you know, a part of an NHL team, I honestly fit. It comes secondary to the best player available. I think goalie is the one exception to that because, I mean, you – I mean, if you have a starter for the next, I don't know how many years, you don't need to draft another one. But, I mean, I think when it comes to the first round especially, you take the best player available. And in this case, I mean, if it happens to work out, uh, in this case, Ottawa would be, they'd be set up great. Uh, I mean, that's a fantastic secondary consequence. But just a heads up, I've got best player available all down the list. I mean, basically, I'm just going to, if I have my board over here, 
of, you know, 31 players. I'm just, if I'm a team, except for maybe, you know, Yaroslav Askarov uh, as the goalie, I'm just fucking taking the best player available because, uh, I mean, I think that's the best way to go in terms of drafting the first round. And on that note, uh, who do we, I think we have Anaheim drafting yep. sixth. I am taking Lucas Raymond. Uh, he's a winger and, I mean, he's he's up there in terms of, I mean, he's he's an absolute beast on the forecheck uh, in the offensive zone. And, I mean, honestly, this guy, I mean, I think from top six, I think the top six, uh, actually just from, say, three to six, it's it can be a pretty tight race. They're all so talented, and Lucas Raymond is, one, is, is among them. And, I mean, if Anaheim gets him at six, I think it's a fantastic pick. New Jersey, number seven. I think Cole Perfetti is a great fit with that forward group and also the BPA. So that's why I'm taking him, number seventh for New Jersey. Uh, I, I think he would go great with like either Hughes or Hisher on the left wing. Like he can play center too. They probably wouldn't have him play center since they they've got Hughes and Hisher as their one and two. So that's my pick for the Devils. All right, number eight. Uh, I'm picking Alex Holtz, uh, who plays on the wing for Buffalo. Uh, well, I, I'm picking him for Buffalo. And I mean, the number one trait about this guy is that he scores goals. And, I mean, if we're talking years down the road, I think he's a great fit next to Jack Eichel. I, I definitely agree. Holtz would be a great fit in Buffalo. Uh, but for Montreal, who's picking number nine in this scenario, um, I think the top eight going like that is probably the worst case because, at least in my opinion, those eight are clear-cut the best eight in the draft ahead of everyone else. Uh, in real life, I would not be surprised if, like, Jake Sanderson ended up going to either, I don't know, like six, seven, eight, any of those teams, it wouldn't totally blow my mind after seeing what's up on Bob's list. But that's not my pick for Montreal, Jake Sanderson. Uh, not only because I don't think he's the ninth best player in the draft, but also because, as we've mentioned a couple times, left defense, especially in terms of the prospect pipeline, is no longer a position of need for them. So I'm going to draft Anton Lundell. I think he is the ninth best player in the draft. He's kind of slipped a little bit, and I think it's, it's maybe a little bit to do with how like he played for Finland in the World Juniors as like a 16-year-old, and there aren't many 16-year-olds in the that play in the World Juniors. And he was being talked about as like a top five, maybe like potential top three pick, even as like early as the beginning of the season. So even if you're like he didn't necessarily have great offensive numbers in the Finnish Liga this year, but he was playing in in a men's league and he did very well, and he projects as probably like. Uh, Maybe a, like a Sean Couturier type of player. Maybe not quite to that level, even though Sean Couturier did take quite a long time to come into his own and reach the level that he's at today. So Anton Ludell, I think he might have number one center potential. Like maybe. And I, I know like they're still holding out like, oh, Kakanyemi center of the future, maybe like Nick Suzuki. But like if you, if you throw another guy with like a shot at it into the mix, that can never hurt. Not to mention Anton Ludell or even like Kakanyemi. If, if you end up like with a log jam at center, you can just throw one of them onto the wing, and it's a lot easier than turning a winger into a center. Yeah. I, I was curious about where you were going to go with Montreal because, yeah, I think there's a large drop-off after those top eight. And, uh, yeah, Lundell's an interesting pick. I don't know if I would have picked him. Uh, I'm concerned with Lundell's ceiling personally. But here we are. Um, all right, next up, Chicago. Uh, I, this works out great on the best player available front and on the positional front. I've got, you know, the big goalie prospect coming out of Russia, Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, so, yeah, he's, you know, he's one of those, you know, you see these every so often uh, with goalie prospects, you know, first-round prospects. 
Well, we don't really see, you know, this kind of caliber, though. Uh, we have, I don't think we've seen a top 10 goalie pick since Carey Price, and that kind of worked out well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to put goalies this high, but it just seems like this guy is, I mean, he's, he, they say he's a can't miss. So, I mean, what the hell? So, uh, and Chicago, I mean, Corey Crawford's obviously getting up there in age. Uh, Robin Lehner, I mean, I don't know how long you can count on him to, to stay around. He's a free agent this year. And so I think long-term, best player available positionally, it works out great for Chicago to take Askarov. Yeah, Askarov to Chicago, like, I won't say foregone conclusion, but at this point, that's like as pretty close as you can get to being a foregone conclusion when you're like 10 picks deep into the draft. Uh, and if Chicago doesn't take him for whatever reason, or like if they're, I don't know, if they beat Edmonton and end up picking 16, then Minnesota probably would be the landing spot for him. Unless, you know, they win their play and also, then who knows where Askarov ends up. But that's uh, that's part of the future, and we're just kind of playing in hypotheticals now. Minnesota, picking at number 11. This one's a, a little bit of a funny one because with the mock draft, I never really know if I want to be like, here's what I would do or if I want to be like, here's what I predict the team would actually do. And I want to try to like maintain the, ba- the balance between that when I'm like picking for a mock draft, whether it's something like this or my own. And with Jake Sanderson, I don't envision a scenario in real life where he falls out of the top 10. I just don't see that happening. And Minnesota, I mean, it's no secret that like they're looking for goal scoring. I know Jack Quinn seems like a pretty good fit there. So Jack, see, uh, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this one. I think I'm going to go with Jack Quinn. He seems just like, like that's exactly kind of what Minnesota needs. And it's pretty close in terms of BPA, but Sanderson and Quinn, even though Sanderson probably would be gone by now and would be a pretty good value pick at 11. I think Jack Quinn is where Minnesota would lean and where, Maybe I would lean to. Okay. All right. That lines up perfectly for my next pick. I got Winnipeg with uh, that notoriously awful blue line. I mean, Jake Sanderson, perfect fit there. I mean, they need defense. He's the best defense available. I think he's the best player available. And, yeah, he's got, you know, limited offensive outside, but that defensive zone capabilities are fantastic. And I think he's a great fit at Winnipeg. And, I mean, I I don't think he's going to drop at all the way down to 12, like you said. I mean, we saw a couple of clowny scouts put him at number three for some reason. Uh, but those are NHL scouts, so I guess that's the perception there. Uh, and so, yeah, number 12, Winnipeg, Jake Sanderson. Yeah, J- Jack San- uh, not Jack. Jake Sanderson at number 12, falling all the way there to Winnipeg, would be like the dream scenario for them and pretty much like the easiest pick they would ever make. Except maybe Patrick Line, that was pretty easy. Anyway, New York Rangers at number 13. This is where things get hard because like even like Pierre Dorian even said like, the tier is like four to 12 in his mind. And then after that, it like, here's where the next tier starts. And I'm pretty sure those are the 12 players he had in mind. And you look at the Rangers. I mean, they, they kind of, they're don't have much there on left D, but I don't think there's any defenseman uh, good enough to, for the Rangers to reach for this high, even though Caden Gooley was 14 on Bob's list. I am not going to draft Caden Gooley 13th overall. And they don't have that much uh, in the center pipeline. Uh, I mean, like Leah Sanderson's probably not going to play for them. They have like a couple decent. They have like Zaban, Judge Strom, Philip Hedel. Like if they, they want to go with that in the long term, be my guest. But I think I'm going to take. See, I have Noel Gundler on my list as the next player available, but he was 28 on Bob's list. So if I'm trying to like kind of project a little bit, then I don't think Gundler's going to go this high. So I'm going to take another right winger who I have 16 on my list. So not very out of the range for for me, and was 13 on Bob's list. So it's very possibly going to go in this range that's Dawson Mercer uh right winger 
who actually looking more into him has as more of a skilled offensive player than I realized. Uh, even like watching him for Canada at the World Junior Team, kind of a surprise addition there. So I think the Rangers drafting Mercer, I think they'd probably like that, and I think that's a, a pretty decent fit there. Alrighty. Um. So okay. So we're at Florida now. I gotta figure out what I want here. You know, we're coming up in the area where I kind of have William Wallander, but I think it's still a tad early for him. So I think we're gonna stick with forwards. Um. So hmm, who do I want to pick? Maybe I want. You know what? I think Florida. Uh, they're a younger team. I think I'll take Hendricks Lapierre. This is a wow. risky pick. Risky pick because this guy has some serious injury concerns. But as you said, it's like the tier has kind of fallen off after, you know, Sanderson went off the board. And if we're going upside, I mean, Hendricks Lapierre is pretty damn skilled. Uh, it's just the injury concerns kind of, you know, that's what sticks out. But, I mean, if we're going for the home run, I think Florida can afford to. That's where I'm going. All right. Yeah, if you were leading for a, a center for... For Florida, I probably went, maybe would have gone like Connor Zeri first, but I mean Hendricks Lapierre, the the high ceiling is definitely there. Columbus at fifteen overall, where do I go? I, I still think personally this is too early to take another defenseman besides Drysdale or Sanderson, uh, who are both gone, of course. Uh, and trying to think about like what their center pipeline looks like, uh, because Connor Zeri is an intriguing option at this point. But I think I'm I'm going to lean towards a uh, winger. And I'm going to lean towards a left winger because Columbus already, for whatever reason, has like a million right wingers. Uh, and I mean, I, once again, uh, obviously you would probably just say go BPA, but I think this guy's probably close enough to BPA that it makes sense. I'm taking Rodion Amirov. I have him ranked number 14 on my list. He didn't produce that much in the KHL this season, but I mean, it's the KHL and teenagers barely play at all in the KHL. So the fact that he makes it at all is definitely, that says a lot about who he is as a player. And by all accounts, I mean, he has the makings to be like he's kind of maybe like a Vasily Podkolzin type, and in, uh, in terms of like pretty good all around game, and definitely has has the makings to be like a, a good second liner. So that's my pick for Columbus. So I have Calgary next. You know Calgary. I think I'm gonna go with Noel Gunnar. Um, absolute sniper. I mean, I think you know there's been rumors about Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know how real those are, but I mean. Eh. Sure, why not? They need the goals. He doesn't need goals. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's what I think about No Goldner. I think they they could take the goals. Who doesn't need goals? And uh, I mean, that's the thing with Goldner, right? He, he's a sniper. He scores goals. Yes, Calgary yeah. Goldner for for the longest time with with Calgary for whatever reason they've just they haven't really had any right shooting forwards. Like it's been pretty bare. Like they traded for Elias Lindholm a couple of years ago, but like you look down their lineup, that's it. Like Matthew Kachuk had to move to the right wing this year because they didn't have any right shooters. So whether they get like Goonler or someone like Mercer or the guy I'm about to pick for New Jersey, uh it's probably going to be a, a pretty good addition to their prospect pool for Calgary. Uh, with my pick for New Jersey now. Actually, if Arizona doesn't win, the, the first pick, then New Jersey's going to have three first-rounders because they would have Arizona's. But instead, in this scenario, they've only got two. They picked Cole Perfetti with their first one. They probably really need a lot of help in the defensive pipeline. But I don't know. I feel like 17, like, still a little bit too early for any of those those defensemen. I mean, like, I bet someone like Gooley or Schneider probably will be going in this range. But I'm not ready to take that jump. So I'm going to take Seth Jarvis for New Jersey. A right-winger. A uh, pretty small player, but tore up the WHL offensively and has a very high ceiling. Ivor ranked number 15, and I think that New Jersey should be happy to get him at number 17. 
Okay. You stole my pick. Uh, I was going to go with Dallas uh-huh. next. All right. Uh, okay, I've got Nashville now. And, yeah, I mean, they've they've had they've had center problems. I mean, obviously, they signed Duchesne. Not sure how that's going. And, uh, I mean, uh, Ryan Johansson, they were, he was billed as the number one center when they traded him, uh, traded for him. I don't know if he's totally panned out there. Uh, he hasn't. So I'm going with another center. I'm going Connor Zary uh, for Nashville. Awesome. He's, he's, he's a pretty complete, he's a pretty complete back. He's not totally elite, uh, but he's, he's a very good all around player. And I think he'll fit well in Nashville there. Yeah. All right. I've got Carolina picking uh, 19th and I feel like when you're mock drafting for Carolina in the first round it can maybe be a little bit easier than some other teams because if you recall like I think it was a year and a half ago or so or like soon after Tom Dundon bought the team he said that as long as he's there they'll never uh, draft a defenseman or a goalie in the first round so that rules out a, a fair amount of players I would say and they want to lean towards a forward then I am going to pick the highest forward that I've got left on my list, John Jason Paterka, who we recently profiled. I've got him ranked number 19. So he is going to Carolina at number 19, even though he was, I think, like around 23 on Bob's list. So this is this is well within the range. All right, solid. Uh, Edmonton, okay. So, you know, they've got the forwards, they've got the flash there. Uh, I think I'm going to work on the D zone because that, that little bit needs, to, needs some work. I... I think number 20, I'm a big fan of William Wallander. I think top 20, why not? Uh, I'm sending him to Edmonton. We've profiled him before. Uh, I think you know how much I love this guy. Uh, I think he's definitely got the high ceiling, the offensive production. And so I think he's in a, a great pick for Edmonton because, you know, Ed Decor needs some work. And why not? Uh, William Wallander, uh, that's, a, that's a good value at 20, I think. But... I feel like I'd be surprised if Edmonton took another defense from the first round for the third year in a row. Like they took Bouchard, then they took Philip Roberg last year. I think they'd probably want to lean towards a winger, but that's just me. And that was your pick, so that's my opinion. Ottawa at number 21. I ping, well, My third time I pinged for Ottawa again, I took Stutzla and Rossi the first two times. I think that they are going to be looking to take a defenseman here. And I think if we're trying to like you know do some semblance of like projection with this then Braden Schneider is my pick for Ottawa because I have him number 28 he is probably going to end up going in the top 20 in real life and now we're at 21 here and Ottawa in terms of like right defensemen that's a weakness for them um I mean they drafted Lassie Thompson last year uh, which I don't know I don't know how I felt about that picker at the time or still feel about it now especially considering he was uh pretty old for that draft but Braden Schneider at number 21 I think they'd be pretty happy to get him there I don't know if, personally, if I was in charge of the Senators, I would take Braden Schneider there, but I think that that's probably what they would do at that point. Okay. I've got Dallas next. And uh, let me think here. Let's see who I have left on my board. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go offense for Dallas. And I'm going to go Jacob Perot at pick 22. Uh, because he's got serious defensive concerns. And that's the one red flag on him. But he is very dangerous offensively. And, you know, the defense, his team was fucking awful. Uh, Sarnia was terrible this year. And so, you know, I'm not sure how much of that. Definitely a red flag, though. But as we've said before, defense is something you can work on uh, when you're developing a player. He's got the offensive upside. And so, yeah, Dallas. 
Yeah, I got the Rangers next again with uh, Carolina's pick that they got from uh, from the Brady Shea trade. I talked when I, when I, the first Rangers pick. I took who did I end up? To? I took Dawson Mercer, uh, but I did talk about how they have barely anything at all in left defense in the pipeline. And Kate Gooley is going to be my pick here for the Rangers. I have him ranked number 34 personally. Balance that with the 14th ranked uh, on Bob's list. 23 is probably a, a pretty pretty reasonable landing, landing spot for this mock draft. Okay. Uh, next, Vegas. Um, let's, let's give them a playmaking center uh, with an absolute fucking fantastic name. Uh, Maverick Bork. Uh, nice. So... He high IQ guy, playmaker, and yeah, he's got consistency issues. He's got these zone issues, but if Vegas can work that out, that's a solid like second line center for them. All right, uh, I've got, I've got, yeah, very very good name, and that's probably a pretty good spot for him to go. Also, uh, I'm gonna take Yan Mishak from Minnesota, 25th overall, uh, to go along nicely with their earlier pick, Jack Quinn, that I also made. Uh, Yan Mishak is from the Czech Republic. But he came over this year to the OHL and did very, very well with the Hamilton Bulldogs. And I, I expect that he'll be able to keep that going next year. He'll probably play in junior again. And I think that's a good fit and the type of player that Minnesota needs in their, in their pipeline. Okay. Uh, so Philadelphia, hmm, who should I take? Maybe, you know, this guy, you know, it's easy. The offensive zone potential is not great. But I don't, some people have him really high, and it's Dylan Holloway. Yeah. And, you know, he's smart, but, like, it's just the offensive potential is not there, and that's why I don't have him, like, you know, higher than – I think he's, like, 20, 22nd on the list here. Uh, some people have him, like, in the top 15. I don't really get that. I don't know what you're going – you're chasing there. But, I mean, if Philadelphia gets him at 26, I think it's a solid pick. Yeah, Dylan Holloway, I think, like, last year, uh, he played Junior A, and he was, like, fantastic because he played Junior A because he wanted to go to college, and he, and he played for Wisconsin this year, uh, Cole Caulfield's team that ended up being the worst in the Big Ten. And I personally, I have some reservations that, like, playing in college, maybe he, like, wasn't quite at that level yet, and it might have set him back a little bit. And, yeah, the offensive upside, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's questionable. He's going to end up going in the first round. I have him ranked number 30. Yeah, number 30. Uh, but 26, yeah, that's a pretty good spot for him. I think he's probably going to end up going earlier than that, though. Uh, with Washington at 27, I'm going to take a center who I think is better than Dylan Holloway and has a higher ceiling than Dylan Holloway and is probably a good fit in Washington, too. Merit Kuznadinov, I have ranked number 23. Uh, and for whatever reason, I don't know I don't know why. I don't think this guy gets the love he deserves, at least, at least in general, uh, because the, the list of players that are are I think like far like definitely ahead of Kuznadinov. It's it's not very not very long because like the reason I have him twenty three is because like I take into account what other people think. But you know, initial reaction, like I might I've had I've had Kuznadinov like in the teens at certain point and he could possibly end up there. And if a team really likes him, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the top twenty. Okay. Uh so I've got Sam after, after all the picks you're like, okay. I mean, yeah, their defense score is getting up there, and I think, yeah, I think they needed a new defenseman. I'll give him a, a ceiling pick. Uh, I'll give him Justin Barron. Uh, defenseman, 
he's got some injury question marks. This is the second guy I'm taking with some injury question marks after uh, was it was Hendrix Lapierre. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what I think. You're at twenty. You're at twenty-eight. You swing for some fences. This guy's smart. He's a he's a good skater. He's solid defensively. And so yes, San Jose Sharks, Justin Barron. Colorado for me now, number twenty-nine, near the end of the first round. Uh, their defense is totally set. Uh, Bowen Bo Byram, Kale McCarr, Samuel Gerrard, and so on. So I'm going to go towards a forward that I think has a pretty high ceiling as a goal scorer, Tyson Forster of the Barry Colts. Uh, this guy is like a, probably going to be like a trigger man, if nothing else, at the NHL level. I think he'll he'll be able to trans to score goals. I think that's going to be able to translate well. And if he can round out the rest of his game, like I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn into like uh like a, a pretty pretty good middle six forward okay 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 um, okay all right um all right who do i have next i have st louis number 30 right and we're nearing the end of the first round hmm you know what i think i'll do it we've uh done a profile on this guy before uh the third german forward to go because why not let's give them all three in yeah. the first round lucas reichel uh, yeah, I think St. Louis could use a guy like him. Uh, and yeah, I think, and apparently a lot, like according to Bob's list, he's a lot of scouts like him better than JJ Paterka. I think we both disagree on that front, but, uh, realistically it looks like this guy, he's going to go in the first round and I'll throw him to St. Louis. Yep. Uh, last pick of the first round, Anaheim Ducks up again. I, uh, you took Lucas Raymond the first time. Uh, and there are two defensemen that I'm considering taking for the Ducks here, uh, going back and forth between another Lucas, Lucas Cormier of Charlottetown, and Emil Andre, who we profiled from HV71. And I think I'm going to take Emil Andre just because uh, we've profiled him before, and that'll be the tiebreaker for that one. And, uh, yeah, that's that. And I'm right. Emil Andre. If you, would like to, if you would like to even things out and pick the first pick of the second round, which would belong to the Red Wings, then uh, you can go right ahead. If not, I'm not forcing you to. Uh, I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. And uh, that concludes our mock draft segment. Shout out to everybody that we've profiled for sneaking into the first round. Yeah, just barely. Uh, and, uh, just barely. Uh, the last two picks, we, we really nailed it there. And uh, okay, solid stuff. Now you know where we stand uh, when it comes to many of these first round prospects. Yep. Uh, so before we get into this week's trivia, we wanted to mention what has been going on with the Washington NFL team and the Cleveland baseball team, and the Edmonton football team, uh, possibly among others, uh, it looks like there is some headway being made on changing these racist names, or at least some of them, which is probably positive progress. Some people, including me, were a little bit disheartened that, at least for Washington, it actually it took money to come into the picture for them to even start thinking about it. I think it was like FedEx... I think they like rescinded their sponsorship of their stadium until the name is changed, which good for FedEx, uh, good for you FedEx. But the fact that, that that it had to come to that for the team to even think about changing their name is uh, is not necessarily a good sign. Yeah, exactly. That's the the big feeling. It definitely leaves a bitter taste in my mouth when you see you know you we've seen you know this name has always been racist and and it's been protested for a long time now. And the owner, Dan Snyder, uh, has not budged. He says he will not change it, will never change it. it's historic, whatever, all that nonsense. 
Uh, and and then when you know FedEx comes in, I think Nike as well. They took down their apparel from their store, their online store, and that's what pushed them to finally, you know, now I think it's a light. It's likely that this will happen that they will end up changing the name. Well, okay, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of depressing to see what it's come to, right? It's they only listen to the big money. They never really listen to the hordes of people who think that this name is racist. It's not think that this this name is racist. And it's just, you know, there's been vocal opposition for years and years now. And this guy, this asshole, Dan Snyder, he just, he's like, you know, and he hasn't budged one bit. He gets threatened with a little bit of, with, with some money. And now, you know, he, he folds like a chair. Uh, and, uh, you know. Folding chair. That's, yeah, like a folding chair. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Dan Snyder, fuck you. And uh, I mean, but I mean, good for FedEx, good for Nike for taking the step. Uh, unfortunate that to come to this. But at least we're seeing it happen, and it's just another twist of 2020. Uh-huh. Uh, the one that one that bugged me a lot was the Edmonton CFL team. I don't know if you saw the statement they made, but the part that stuck out to me was like, we, we've spoke with people in the community, indigenous peoples in the community, and there has not been a consensus about our name. And we're sitting there like, what What kind of no consensus? Why does that mean you're not going to change it? Like, you know what there is a consensus on is other CFL teams, like the Lions and the Rough Riders and the whatever else CFL teams there are. There's a consensus that those names aren't racist. So if there is no consensus on your team, then that should tell you all you need to know. And, it should ha- and then you should make that decision to responsibly change the name to something else. Yeah, it's absolutely wild that, you know, that name is still, it's like both the Washington team uh, and, you know, the Edmonton team, they're racial slurs, outright racial slurs. And they're just, they just happen to be the names of sports teams in major markets. It's completely absurd to me that we've accepted this. Uh, well, many, like these owners, they seem to have accepted it. And while I, I, I like, it's disappointing, uh, even that, you know, other teams include, you know, the Chicago you know, the Blackhawks, we talk about, you know, the problematic nature of that name. Uh, Cleveland baseball team. Especially the logo. And the logo, yeah, especially the logo. Cleveland, they had their logo, Chief Wahoo, uh, which was, you know, it took a long time to get that out. Uh, finally, they think they took them down from all their merch. But still, that name, Cleveland Indians, problematic still. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's disappointing to see that, you know, all of these, they're accepted within the sports world. And, you know, like, we, we just come to live with it. And that these owners... I don't know why they have such a fond attachment to these names. I don't understand. I mean, why why are you so attached to these players? It's it's baffling to me. I don't understand it either. Like one thing I can think of is it may have something to do with whatever traditionalist fans are going to be upset at the name change. But at this point, there are going to be more people upset without the name change than there will be by the name change, unless I'm like disconnected somehow. That that's just that's what I feel about it. Yeah, exactly. So like, who exactly are you trying to pander here? Uh, pander to it's it's. You know, it's it's puzzling and, you know, it's, it's disappointing and you grow to hate these owners because, you know, they're they're so fucking disconnected with the people, right? Then it's just, uh, anyways, that's that. One thing, and, I mean, before we move on to the progress, trivia, last, last thing about this, last yeah. thing about this, uh, in high school, we learned in our contemporary world class about the Washington Consensus, which I just looked up to remind myself because I totally forgot what it was. It's a set of 10 economic policy prescriptions 
considered to constitute the standard reform package promoted for crisis-wrecked developing countries by Washington, D.C.-based institutions such as the blah, 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 blah. Anyway, basically, when I first learned about that, I don't know if you remember this, but I said Washington Consensus would be a great name for a sports team. So I hereby propose that when the Washington football team officially decides to change their name, that they rename it the Washington Consensus. Okay, that's I, I wholeheartedly agree. And if it does come to a fan suggestion box, if they do post that, I think we should submit it and oh, get everybody else to submit it. All right. Uh, Sounds good. All right. Okay. Yep. Okay, this so, week, for my trivia for you, we are back to a good old-fashioned multiple-choice quiz. All right? All right, all right. What's the all theme, right. though? Is there a theme? All right, you're all right. I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So as you know, if you've been listening to the show, we are getting into a little bit of a routine in this trivia segment where we rotate between I give Ty say trivia, Ty say gives me trivia, and we do one week of playing an NHL version of Guess Who. It's not 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 in that order actually. It's Ty say gives trivia, then me, then the Guess Who. Anyway, whatever. So because next week we will be playing Guess Who, I decided to have a, a precursor of that because I inspired this quiz out of. A similar, I tried to model this quiz by the name of the quiz after Guess Who. This quiz is called Guess Where. So basically, how it's going to work is I'm going to give you uh, something to do with hockey, an event or something. Yeah, pretty much an event. And I'm going to give you four options, and you tell me which of those options, which are cities, which city it took place in. Okay, that seems that seems very straightforward. So here we go. Yes, it is. It is. It is pretty simple. I'm uh, not, not sure about the difficulty level. I'm thinking like maybe six or seven for the passing grade. Do you have a, a gauge for that? How many questions are there? Ten questions. Okay. I think I think we can do seven. It's multiple choice. Let's go. Yeah, seven on ten. All right. First one, 2018 NHL All-Star Game. Was it A, Columbus, Ohio, B, Tampa, Florida, C, Los Angeles, California, or D, Nashville, Tennessee? Jeez. Okay. This is a bit harder than I thought because <laughs> yeah, I, thought so. I can fucking think of all the Austin, like I like uh, for all of those, I can actually visualize an all-star game. Wait, what was the third city? I remember Nashville. There was Columbus. There was Tampa. And Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. So I don't think it's Los Angeles. I think it's one of the three others. Um, so Columbus, Tampa, or Nashville. Na- I don't know. I, it's two years ago, right? So like, yeah, we did have an. It's actually three years ago now, like three All Star games ago, right? Is that uh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we had one this year, okay. 2019, 2018, Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So, you know, Nashville just doesn't feel like it's it. Like I feel like, I was a while ago. I think it was longer than three. Um. So it comes down to Columbus, and Tampa, and between those two, hmm. All right. Actually, I think, I don't know. I think Columbus, Columbus feels longer too. Tampa feels kind of recent. I think, I think it's probably Tampa. Oh, wait, Tampa was like when they had all those players. They had so many Tampa players that year. I'm, that was very recent. I think it's Tampa. I'm going with Tampa. Correct. You are one for one and you got that one right. All of these cities have hosted all-star games within the past, uh, I think like 
between 2015 to 2018 or something or somewhere in that range so a little bit of a challenge off the bat but but you got it right you're one for one and moving on to question number two the 2013 nhl draft newark new jersey philadelphia pennsylvania sunrise florida or buffalo new york okay um i don't know why they would host anything in new jersey so no um, was Philly one of the options you said? Yeah, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, Newark, New Jersey, Philly, Sunrise, or Buffalo. Okay, so uh, much like New Jersey, Newark, who the fuck hosts anything in Buffalo? Um, and, and the same for Sunrise, Florida. You know, actually, Sunrise, Florida kind of gives me a draft vibe. So I'm, I'm going between, you know, Philly seems like a very obvious one. Uh, you know, it's a big city, solid stuff. Florida also feels like a drafty city, as I said. So, hmm. Okay. 2013. Who's drafted first? Eh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm getting mad. I'm, I'm going with those draft vibes. I'm going with Sunrise, Florida. Uh, unfortunately, you are incorrect. Uh, mm-hmm. The draft was hosted by Florida in 2014, much like it was hosted oh. in 2015 by Philadelphia and 2016 by Buffalo. But in 2013, it was hosted by in Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center. Who decided that? Why would you host anything in New Jersey? That was what the draft it? where New Jersey acquired Corey Schneider and then the fans all went crazy. Still, I am <laughs> against anything. Hosted in New Jersey. Um, they should just host it in Montreal every year. Uh, that's just uh, I agree. Opinion. All right. Okay. Uh, you are right. one for two now. Question number three. All right. 2001 Stanley Cup Final Game 7. Was it Jesus Denver, Col- Christ. Okay, was, yeah. it, was it Denver, Colorado, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Detroit, Michigan, or Dallas, Texas? Okay. Um... So 2001, right? So I know Colorado won that. Um, okay. So that's that's cool. Um, I don't know who they faced. 2001. Okay. So you know what? Given that it was Colorado, if you if it ends up being the runner-up, like they hosted it in the runner-up city, that would be very disappointing. But it's okay. I'm going Denver, Colorado. Let's go. Correct. The Game 7 was in Colorado, and the Avalanche beat the Devils and won the Stanley Cup in 2001. I'm impressed. I didn't know that you knew the Stanley Cup final, uh, Stanley Cup winners, all the way back to however long that was. Well, I know 2001 because that was the year I was born. Uh, Other than that, around that time, it gets very shaky. But 2001, you picked the right year for me. That's the year. All right. So you are now two for three. I'm not on a bad pace, but... uh, that is actually just under the 7 on 10 pace you're aiming for. So, got to pick it up a little bit. 2016, wow. 2016 World Junior Gold Medal Game. Malmo, Sweden, Buffalo, USA, Toronto, Canada, or Helsinki, Finland? Okay. You expect me to know where they held the World Juniors four years ago? Uh, that's They all sound like places where they've held a thing. But, like, if we're going on past things, I mean... You're just naming four cities where they've held the World Juniors. Uh, so, could you list them again? It's not Malmo. Malmo. I know that. I know it's Malmo. Yeah? All right. All right. The options. Malmo, Sweden, Buffalo, Toronto, Helsinki. Okay. I know Buffalo is relatively recent, too. I'm pretty sure. That's the vibe I'm getting. So, Toronto, 
or Helsinki. Wait, Toronto, they, they just held one in Canada. There was like, I don't think Canada did very well. They just, they seem to disappoint on home ice, except like Vancouver in 2010. So Helsinki, I think Helsinki is a solid pick. Correct. The 2016 World Juniors were in Helsinki. Uh, that was the year actually uh, Jesse Pugliarvi as a 17-year-old won the uh, the World Junior MVP and Finland beat Russia in overtime that year for the gold medal. So congratulations. You are three for four. Doing pretty well in this quiz so far, I've got to say. Okay. All right. Honestly, I'm getting pretty lucky here. I'm just, I'm going off on a lot of vibes. <laughs> I'm getting lucky. Right. I don't know how sustainable this is. Here we go. 2019 Men's World Hockey Championship gold medal game. Oh. Christ. All right. Helsinki, Helsinki, Finland, Bratislava, Slovakia, Prague, Czech Republic, or Copenhagen, Denmark. Okay, this is going to be a total shot in the dark because I have no idea where they held that. Um, so <laughs> there's no clue. One in four shot. Uh, you might be playing pranks on me. I'm getting prank vibes. So I'm going to go Helsinki again. Uh, incorrect. Uh, the correct okay. answer... The correct answer is Bratislava, Slovakia. Shoot. That was that was going to be my second pick. But, you know, uh, yeah, no oh points well. for that. Okay. You are right now three correct, two incorrect, halfway through the quiz. Moving on to half number two, where uh, maybe things start to get, I don't know, maybe, maybe not more difficult, but more entertaining, perhaps. As we All right. Question number six. 2019-20, Montreal Canadiens' first game of the season. Was it in? Ottawa, Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, Raleigh, North Carolina, or Tampa, Florida? I just, I feel like we started in Ottawa. I just, I don't know. It wasn't Toronto because I was like, damn, they ain't starting in Toronto again. Um, I'm getting Ottawa vibes. Ottawa, I'm picking Ottawa. Uh, the first game of Montreal season this year was Montreal at Carolina. So you are incorrect, what? unfortunately. No. Okay. Damn. It really. Be yeah, like I remember that. there was this okay. whole thing like, yeah, they're opening against Aho's team after the Aho offer sheet. Isn't that so exciting? Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, uh, when you said the question, I, I was thinking Ottawa before you even had the multiple choice. And I'm disappointed it didn't pan out. All right. All right. Okay, so if you, want to meet, if you want to meet 7 for 10 then you've got to get all of these last four questions correct. Think you're up for it? Absolutely not, but here we go. Let's go. All right. Let's keep it going. Number, question number seven. Last game of the 1972 Summit Series. Vancouver, BC, what? Toronto, Ontario, okay. Moscow, Russia, or Montreal, Quebec? Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Um, what, what an absolute nightmare. This is what I'm hinging my quiz on. Uh, this might be a disaster. All right. Yeah, the Summit Series. Okay. Summit Series. I know the Summit Series. Who who in Canada Possibly. doesn't know the Summit Series? Um, Paul Henderson. Well, where the fuck did Paul Henderson score a goal? Um, <laughs> ah, fuck. I don't know. Like, I don't think it was in Russia. I think it was in Canada. And so I think the three cities you said were Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. Yeah. Vancouver, right? Toronto, Moscow, Montreal. You know, I know they held some games in Montreal. You know, I don't, I don't know. Did they? Did he score that goal in front of a bunch of Quebecers? That's my question. Um, hmm. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, I'll, I think I'm getting Montreal vibes. I'm going Montreal. Let's go. All right. Uh, the first four games of the series were all played in Canada. They were played at Vancouver, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Montreal. The last four games of the series were all played oh in Moscow. God. So, unfortunately, you are incorrect. Uh, you are Your score on this quiz is now a three on seven. But wow. uh, I, I've, I've, spent, I've spent a fair amount of time putting together this quiz, so I would like you to please answer these last three questions anyway, just for fun. All right, here we go. Let's see if I can get right, six. Yeah, try to get try to get six. Try and see if you can get these last three. All right, two thousand and eight Winter Classic, which is also actually the first ever Winter Classic. Was it in Orchard Park, New York, Chicago, Illinois, Detroit, Michigan, or North Reston, Pennsylvania? Okay. All right, Winter Classic. Winter Classic. Um, okay, so I'm thinking to NHL 2K10, because that's the year yeah. after that. And, like, they have Winter Classic jerseys in that game. And, like, I have pretty vivid memory of Pittsburgh jersey from Winter Classic. Although, I don't know which year. It might have been 2009. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm getting Pittsburgh vibes. What are the other three cities? Like, Pennsylvania was one of them. What are the other three? Uh, Orchard Park, New York, Chicago, Detroit, and North Redston, Pennsylvania. North Redston? Is that what you said? Yeah, Redston. Okay. The thing about Orchard Park, though, is that I know they have a stadium. Like, it's the Bills Stadium. And, like, it happened, you know, winter classics tend to happen in stadiums. So, like, Orchard Park, that's the, you know, that one sticks out. I don't think, I think Chicago, all those winter classics came afterwards. And so, like, I'm going back and eat. I've never heard of that Philadelphia place, though. That's what's bugging me. Uh, or not the Philadelphia place, the Pennsylvania place. And, you know, but I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh played. Maybe it was 2009. You know, I'm just, yeah. I think I'll go with the Buffalo Bills Stadium. Um, I think that's an East Orchard Park. I think that's a you- nice spot for a winter classic. Yeah, you are you are correct. Uh, you Ooh. are correct about that one. The first ever Winter Classic was Pittsburgh versus Buffalo and Orchard Park. Oh. Uh, and I would just like to say, uh, North Redston is a made-up city it, that doesn't actually exist. Oh. Ah, okay, good. All right, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. really good. It would have been embarrassing if I picked that. Um, yes, certainly. I was kind of hoping you would, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. So Pittsburgh did play that year. And yes, against Pittsburgh Buffalo. did play. Okay. Uh-huh. I have no recollection of Buffalo playing in a Winter Classic, but I went just off stadium. Did they play in that stadium, by the way? Uh, I assume so. Okay. All right, because I know the Bills play there. Um, I've seen that. Anyways, all right. Okay. Question awesome. number nine. Connor McDavid's birthplace. Was it Stratford, Ontario, yeah. Erie, Ontario, Mississauga, Ontario, or Richmond Hill, Ontario? Okay, so it's not Erie, because that's just, I think you're trying to bait me into picking his junior team. Um, whew. What was the first first option? Stratford. Ooh, I like Stratford. I also like Mississauga. Um, ooh. What was the last one, too? Richmond Hill. Okay, so, like, I'm juggling those three. Mississauga, it... No, I don't like Mississauga. Never mind. It's Richmond Hill, or it's the other one. It's, 
Yes. I think I like Stratford, actually. I'm picking Stratford. I like Stratford better. It's got McDavid vibes. Connor McDavid was born in Richmond Hill, Ontario. Oh, man. Really? Richmond yeah. Hill? Sorry. Okay. All right. Shoot. If you get this right. last one, if you get this last one, then you'll go uh, five on ten. You'll get the you'll get the nice five hundred record. So let's see if you can do that, That's or if true. you're gonna humiliate yourself even further. I don't know. Maybe this wow. quiz is actually a little bit challenging, even though it is multiple choice. A little bit challenging. Are you fucking kidding me? This is impossible. I'm about to guess every single one practically. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe I should have put right. like one or two super easy layups in there, but whatever. Last question. Where did Paul Byron play his junior hockey? Shakudami, oh, Shawinigan, Gatineau, or Valdor? Okay, Paul Byron? Yep. Man, I was just waiting for you to pick anywhere that wasn't Quebec so I could pick it. I didn't think <laughs> you played in Quebec. Um, yeah, he did. Okay, so Shakudami, Shawinigan, Valdor, and... And Gatineau. Gatineau? You know, I like Gatineau best, I think, because... Uh, Paul Byron feels like an Ontario boy, maybe even an Ottawa boy. And Gatineau is right next to Ottawa. So, you know, Valdor is kind of middle of nowhere. Honestly, all the other ones are very middle of nowhere, Quebec. So, Gatineau. I like Gatineau. Correct. Paul Byron played all his junior hockey for the Gatineau Olympique of the QMJHL. Uh, congratulations, you scored a 5 on 10 for this quiz. Guess where? That's that's fantastic. You know, I like that last one. We ended on a great note there. Shout yeah. out because why would anybody else? Why would anybody play for any other of those teams who doesn't come from Quebec? Shout out Paul Byron. He comes from Ontario, right? Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure he's was born in Ottawa, like you said. Uh, let me check that out. Wow. Paul okay. Byron. Let let him think of someone else. Uh, but I don't think so. All right, I'm pulling up his Wikipedia. Yeah, he was born in Ottawa, Ontario. What a snipe. Holy shit. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> okay, that's... You know, I don't feel so bad about going fucking below 60% because we killed it on that last one. All right. Uh, that is, I believe, the end of this episode of Future Dan Hockey Podcast. Have anything to add? No. I think we're good. All right. Uh, oh, uh, this can be another time. We can we can start plugging our Instagram at the end of the show. You can follow our podcast, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, we'll put episodes up there. We haven't posted really anything else besides episodes, but maybe we'll start doing that eventually. And uh, I recently learned that you can rate our podcast five stars on, what was it, Apple Podcast or Google Play or something? Apple Podcasts. Yeah, all right, do that. I think you can probably leave a review too. Uh, that would be that would be pretty cool, I guess. So, yeah, uh, we will return next week with a new episode and another game of Guess Who. Uh, very possibly some more prospect profiles because I don't see there being any more big news between now and then so yeah have a good day this episode of fusion and hockey podcast is sponsored by sanborn's boys this new sports novel by benji mellers is available on amazon Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today.